0: Our scripture text this morning comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. So we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard. So also, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the Gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we hear these words this morning, I had one question that came to mind. And the question is this. What does a Christian look like? If I were to ask you to pull out a pen and a paper and draw me a picture of a Christian, what does a Christian look like? Now, I'm sure we would have a pretty good broad understanding and we know that Christianity is not bound to one ethnicity or gender or socioeconomic status. And so we could draw a whole broad array of people and say that's what a Christian looks like. We have a good grasp of that, I think. But maybe if I went a little further and I asked, what does a Christian do? What does it mean to be Christian?" If you were to take your, your picture that you drew of what a Christian looks like, and I asked you to draw what being a Christian looks like, then we might see maybe a little more similarity between some pictures. Perhaps some of us would draw someone singing in worship. Others might draw someone reading their Bible, kneeling to pray, lending a helping hand to a neighbor. All good things. All examples of what being Christian could look like. But I wonder too, if some of the similarities, some of the things we've learned about what a Christian might look like, happen to be certain customs, certain traditions, certain practices passed along the way. I can remember an example for me early on in my university years where I was faced with a stark challenge to what a Christian might look like. And it came through a man named John, or we'll call him John. I was on a service trip in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and we were doing street ministry there. And one day we had the opportunity to go into this drop-in center church And it was a Tuesday night, so first of all, it was strange that their church was on a Tuesday, not a Sunday. That just seemed off. Um, But it was church no less. A little different. Different timing. But as we gathered there for worship, we learned that worship there looked very different. People strolled in and out as they pleased. Worship was very informal. People would take turns sharing testimony of how they knew and experienced God. And so they had asked some of us to share our testimonies and I was lucky enough to be the person who got to do that. And so I got up front in my blue jeans and a t-shirt sharing my testimony to a group of people who looked very different than me in a setting that was very different than what I was used to church being. And I remember about halfway back there being this man, John, Decked out in tattoos, about six foot four, 300 pounds, shaved head, beard, leather vest and leather coat and leather, everything. And he just sat there with his arms crossed, the entire time that I shared my testimony. Not a lick of emotion in his face. And I shared my testimony of growing up in the church, having grandparents who taught my parents to know, to love, to serve. God. Having parents who then pass that on to me, having a whole community of people through children's programs, through youth programs, pour into my life the truth of Jesus Christ. And as I finished my testimony, I remember feeling kind of put off by John because I realized there's very little in my testimony That John can probably relate to. That was my snap judgment. And so after the service, as I was standing kind of toward the door at the back of the room, John was getting up and he was leaving. And and so I assumed he was heading out the door, but he had a look of bewilderment, of confusion on his face. And as he came closer, I was between him and the door again, hoping every moment that he was heading for the door, not me. But it became very clear that his eyes were fixed on me. And so John kept coming and soon made it to our circle. And before I knew it, I was wrapped in the burliest hug I think I've ever experienced. And I did my best to respond with the awkward, I'm here and I can't move and do anything about it. As John stepped back, with tears on the edge of his eyes, he said, thank you for speaking the truth of God's faithfulness. John then proceeded to tell me of his life story coming from a broken home, experiencing the love of Christ through a drop-in center not unlike the one we were at in that moment, that they cared for him in one of his lowest of lows. And when he came to know Jesus Christ, his life changed. Not his lifestyle but his life. You see, John, he became associated what's known as, with what's known as bikers for Christ. John would travel through Europe, going from biker bar to biker bar, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, sometimes even explaining that he got into fist fights in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, John's experience of being Christian was something very different. From what I understood being Christian to be, it challenged me. And I think as I reflect on John and that experience, it draws me to our text today because what happened in me there was a moment of realizing that being Christian and our faith is not connected to the things we do, but it's connected to our response to the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the very thing that Paul is trying to remind the Galatians of in our text this morning. You see, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know that Paul has been dealing with this group of people in the churches in Galatia called the Judaizers. A group of people who came in and told the young church in the province of Galatia that in order to be Christian, they needed to not only believe in Jesus Christ, But they needed to believe in Jesus Christ and hold to Jewish customs. That unless they were following Jewish customs, and in particular, unless the men in their households were becoming circumcised, that they would not be saved. They were not a part of the inheritance. They were not a part of the covenant people unless they did the things of God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, and so Paul has been writing to the Galatians, reminding them, calling them to remember that their salvation is not dependent on their action, but it's dependent on the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we hear in our text, Paul jumped to this question of saying, I have one question, just one question for you, church in Galatia. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? By works of the law or by faith? How did you come? To know Christ. How was it that you were convicted? How was it that your life was changed? Was it by having a bunch of people show up from this Judaizers, this circumcision group who said, here's Jewish customs. Do this and know salvation. Is that what changed your life? Or was it hearing the good news of Jesus Christ? And that salvation is available not by what we do, but by what He has done. Did you hear the good news? Feel the Spirit stir in you and respond. And of course, as Paul asks this question, it's a rhetorical question. Of course, the Galatian churches weren't brought into the kingdom of God and convicted by the Holy Spirit because of the rules and the laws of the Jewish people. No, it came from hearing The good news of Jesus Christ came from believing in Jesus Christ. And as they walked forward in faith, they were convicted and challenged and changed. But then they were going off course. See, Paul continues and he says, After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by ways of the flesh? Are you trying to finish what God has started in you saying, God, okay, that's good enough. I can take it from here and finish Your work in me. Of course, as we hear this, we understand, we realize that that's not how it works. We don't receive enough Jesus and receive enough grace and then we're all good on our own to finish what God has started. We come daily, needing to receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But as Paul is writing to these churches in Galatia, again, I've mentioned he's writing against this group called the Judaizers. And he works in our text this morning a beautiful example that undercuts the very thing they're trying to promote. Again, they've said that in order to be a part of God's covenant people, you need to fall under the covenant that God made with Abraham. And the mark of that covenant was circumcision for the men. But here in our text, as Paul asks very clearly about whether they came to receive the Spirit by faith or by works of the law, he now uses the example of Abraham. An example of Abraham from before the mark of the covenant of circumcision. See, Paul references the fact that Abraham believed in the Lord. He heard the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Before the mark of the covenant was even set up. Abraham was credited with righteousness simply for believing and acting in faith. Paul references Genesis chapter 15, God's covenant with Abraham. Before circumcision is even in the picture as a way of saying Abraham was not a man of the works of the law, a man of just the mark of the covenant. He was a man of faith who received the Spirit of God, from hearing the Lord, listening to the Lord, believing in the Lord, and then acting in response. See, Paul is setting up his argument against the Judaizers. Saying they've got all these customs, everything there to dress it up and say, if you look like us, then you will be saved. Paul's saying that's not it if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are saved. Not following Jewish custom. Not following Jewish law. Paul goes on to make that very clear by naming the fact that the law is actually contrary to the Gospel. If we use the law as our final and ultimate measuring stick, But of course, for the Galatians, we can understand that this is something that was tempting. Because it's nice to have a measuring stick a one-size-fits-all list that you can run down the checklist to say, are they circumcised? Do they observe the Sabbath? Are they following the laws and the customs? If they are, then we know they're Christian and they're good. And we can use that for ourselves. We can use that for our neighbors. And it's nice to be able to compare and contrast and say, are we on the right path or not? But there isn't a one-size-fits-all measuring stick to say whether someone looks Christian, acts Christian, is Christian, aside from their believing in Jesus Christ. To say what that looks like is not easy. Because John and his experience of what it looks like to be Christian is very different from my own. Very different probably from how you've experienced what it looks like and is like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But I think these words in Galatians chapter 3 are so important and fitting for us today because we might not be battling Judaizers and the threats to follow Jewish customs as we try to worship, as we try to live out our calling to be followers of Jesus Christ, But that doesn't mean we don't have other laws, rules, unwritten or written, practices, traditions, customs that we place as important, as crucial in measuring whether or not someone is, looks, or acts Christian. Like the Galatian Christians, we run the risk of losing sight of the fact that we too are changed, challenged, convicted, transformed through receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. Believing it. And as we believe the good news of Christ, that then it shifts and changes us. We too are not changed, challenged, shaped by the law. But by believing what we have heard. And I think that's an important reminder for us because we can get focused on the little details. We can get focused on seeking to follow the law, seeking to live Christian enough according to the way our family, our friends, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church might even say they've experienced what it means to be Christian. And so we try to follow their lead. We try to follow their checklist. And in the busyness of trying to look Christian, to act Christian enough, we too can lose sight of the original message and good news that we have received. We can add on to our calling to be a people of faith the fact that we're called to be a f- people of faith who look and act a certain way. And so as we read these words from Galatians chapter 3, we hear Paul's challenge to the Christians in this area to remember that they received the Spirit by faith. That they are children of the promise alongside Abraham by faith. And that God redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to us, to the Gentiles, to all nations through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. As we hear that, My question for us this morning is how have you received the Spirit? How have you experienced the Spirit of God moving and working in your life? Has it come from seeking to follow a checklist of what it looks like to be Christian? Or has it come from hearing the good news of Jesus Christ? hearing, reflecting on the grace of Jesus Christ day after day, responding in faith, saying, I cannot earn it on my own. I cannot do good enough on my own. But I can respond in faith to believe that Christ has done it for me, for us, once and for all. Do we live blinded by the law or do we live freely by faith? That's the question Paul asks the Galatians. It's a question that I think is important for us today and every day. That we might remember that through Jesus Christ and Christ alone, we have received the promise of the Spirit, the promise of eternal life, the promise of salvation through Christ alone. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, there are so many things in this world that can distract us from Your grace from the working of Your Spirit, from Your presence in our lives and around us. Lord, we pray that we would be slow to judge, quick to see the way that Your Spirit might be moving and working in others. God, give us a clear vision of how you continue to speak into our lives and how your spirit is moving in each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died that we may live. It is in his name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.